The following program is a work of fiction and falsehood that is not meant to be interpreted as actual fact. The views expressed in this program are not necessarily those of the broadcaster or the management thereof. This program deals with morbid themes and grotesque humor. Listener discretion is advised. I'm glad you're here. I'm media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is EurekaCast Now, where science meets technology meets you. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Meadowlark from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Sciences. Hey there, Rowan. Hello, and gentle whispers of encouragement as you, the listener, and as you, Kai, join us this evening. Uh, thank you so much. I feel so encouraged uh, by that. Uh, for for today's for today's intro, what I I wanted to talk about um, was I this may come as a surprise to many many of you. Many of you may maybe have picked up the listener. I should say uh, the listener may have picked up a pattern of of what I start talking about on this show first. It's it's usually about how much work I have to do, what work I am doing. It's it's all about work, work, work. And I do have a special a, a special revelation to bring to you, uh, and that and that's that this week it was not so much work, and in fact. Uh, I took a little bit of a uh, of a vacation. A f- a f- vacation, really? Yeah, uh, I I hear the surprise in your voice, Rowan. I, I did. Yeah, I would imagine perhaps a staycation at your desk, just given how I understand you to operate. But good f- good for you, I mean, Kai. The past few years, that's been my primary. I would not call it a staycation. I would really call it more of a uh, uh, a work lax. Like a, like a work, work lax session. I take a, a few of those every week where I just relax and do some work. Um, but I actually, uh, I, I put on my straw hat, as you as you will. Your your floral pattern shirt, perhaps? Mm-hmm. I, and I took, uh, I took a, quick, a quick line over to the West Coast. I went to the great tech hub of the United States, Vancouver, Washington. Really? Yes, I, I went to Vancouver, Washington, uh, because I, I wanted to go see some some old friends um, over at the over at the uh, Waltz College of Technology. Now, I know what it sounds like. Uh, it, it might be surprising to learn that I actually didn't attend a college or university uh, it's itself. I took a lot of classes. I read a lot of books, but I sort of took a sort of a disruptive uh, approach to my education. Well, many of the great minds the the ground breakers and trail blazers out there they they were self-taught in a way they didn't necessarily work entirely within the realm of academia mm-hmm. so I, I that's fair there's nothing wrong with that yeah yeah and, so, and some some people what they do is they go to college and then they they realize it's not for them or they have better things to do and drop out I decided not to uh, not to engage with that 
at all. I didn't make that first mistake of, of trying to attend a college. You just went straight to dropping out. I went straight to dropping out, exactly. Um, but I did, uh, I, I did t- do a brief internship in the middle of my of my personal uh, post secondary education um, at the New Media Center in Vancouver, Washington's Waltz College of Technology. And that's where I gained a great deal of my appreciation for the art and the science uh, of new media. Well, that mean that's... Well, I have never interned as such. My understanding in sort of the crowded, more industry-specific space that you operate in, I've heard that in a lot of ways an internship can get you ahead of people who are perhaps... Uh, have a more formal education or more skills or, um, you know, positive qualities that one might, one might want as an employee. M- most definitely. And I had some of the some of the best, uh, the best role models, the best chaperones, the best research professors out there. These are the, the towering intellects, the brilliant professors over there at the New Media Center. Um, I mean, and I, I, I would not tell you, I, I could go into to weeks, I could do several different mini shows just on my on my experience there, back with back with those back with those good old uh, uh, those good old uh, uh, capacitors is what the uh, is what the sports teams were known as. Uh, go Cappies, perhaps. Yeah, the Go Cap. Yeah, Go Cappies. I, I still have my jersey, um, but I, I just want to say one of the most surprising things that I really wanted to tell everybody about it now. But but you will not believe the kinds of amazing innovations that they have in media for young children. Specifically, uh, one, one of my one of my uh, role models, uh, 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 Kenneth Kenneth Braw, uh, who is a professor at the at the New Media New Media Center in uh, in Waltz College, he was working on a specific line of uh, of coloring books, and these coloring books would be able to teach toddlers, I mean, those as young as two and three how to do derivatives just by coloring in a coloring book. This child would be able to do a basic and even some very advanced derivatives. Well, it's it's absolutely incredible what the young developing mind is capable of internalizing if you provide it in the right format. Um, we at, over here at the Spirit Science Institute, um, we work with a lot of children and, and it, with a few simple pokes and prods and regiments, um, pharmacological regiments, mm-hmm. you can induce incredible things in young people. Oh, don't I know? What what are some of what are some of those things you've induced, uh, Rowan? Well, we primarily look at children as an excellent sort of a um, uh, an antenna, if you will, mm. with regards to certain energies that are harder to pick up um, with actual antennas or adults. Um, right. They're very instrumental, specifically with a lot of the work we deal with regards to entities they're really? very receptive to entities and there's some incredible work with sort of bringing entities into these these children as one would bring a signal into a radio sure and being able to make contact and um, do various queries yeah, in so, that manner sort of like how the how the young ear maybe is more capable of picking picking them higher frequencies perhaps the young eye is not is not desensitized to those uh uh, to those uh, to those sorts of energies. Young children have not had a chance for their pineal glands to calcify. So, um, yes, very, very much so. There is a biological factor there. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, well, well, saying that, I mean, I hope to see a lot, a lot more innovations coming out of uh, of early early childhood uh, disruptive technologies. Um, but 
apart from that, uh, uh, let's get into the let's get into the to the eureka moments for the for this week. Ron, do you have one? Well, it, yes, yes, and no. Um, it's less of a eureka moment and more of a eureka review. Hmm. As part of uh, the media bringing forth uh, innovations with technology and science, mm-hmm. it's important that we look at other forms in which that is dispersed um you mean web pages uh, no no uh, uh papers we talk about about papers oh sure but in this instance i want to do a eureka review about hmm. a book i read recently eureka that, that is a great that's a great segment so we're doing eureka reviews yes yes and and today i would like to review a book by well-known evolutionary anthropologist and noted countercultural icon, Dr. Willie Dustis. Hmm. He, he has recently put out a new book on some very innovative theories for the origin of mankind, um, and specifically the leap from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens. Sure. The book is titled Tweaked Ape Theory, The Perked Prehistoric. And before one goes into this novel, and actually a a great part of the beginning of the novel is Mm -hmm. detailed to talking about this, one needs to be familiar with the concept of the stoned ape theory, which was put forth by one of the titans of spirit science, Terence McKenna, back in the late late 60s, early 70s. Fascinating. So what what is... I don't think I've heard I've heard much about this. It's not really my field. What is the stoned ape theory? Well, uh, as as one may or may not know, the the theory was put forth as an explanation for once again this jump from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens, the missing link. One might say, perhaps, perhaps, and and so in the stoned ape theory, the jumping point for that leap is purported to be psilocybin mushrooms and the ingestion thereof ah. of psilocybin mushrooms uh, drugs and, uh, yes uh, specifically in this instance a, a psychedelic drug mm-hmm. a sort of a hallucinogenic uh, substance that would by the argument of terence mckenna um provide sort of a uh, um a, a galaxy brain moment Makes perfect sense to me. Well, yeah, where where to allow the evolution of things like tools and sentience and all that, mm-hmm. um, the the origin of of, of religion as well. Um, now that's a very interesting theory, uh, not one I necessarily ascribe to, but very very interesting and sure. compelling in a lot I think of ways. Groundbreaking, theories. perhaps. Yes, uh, um, regime shattering. At the time, at the time, this is a a sort of the tweaked ape theory is mm-hmm. a divergence from that. One could imagine it as a similar idea, but but perhaps with a different focus. So um, tweaked ape theory mm-hmm. is that the there was ingestion of psychotropic substances that was essential for this leap from Homo erectus to Homo sapien, mm-hmm. but it was not psychedelics, hmm. uh, but in fact stimulants. Interesting. Yes. Uh, Willie Dustis puts forth the theory that the ingestion of stimulants in the forms of uh, herbal medicinals or perhaps slightly more um, extracted products mm-hmm. would have could have provided that that jump necessary to take us from simple hunter gatherers in the right. caves to civilizations and sort of structure. So there's a number of I mean I, yeah I mean I, it makes sense to me you know in the modern modern culture you you would not see the advancements that you do if they weren't if there wasn't 
a, like a basically a cafe on the on every single corner. We we frankly we need our cafes to keep our to keep our our world really rolling. And I'm going to assume as well, Kai, that you 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 certainly must take drink a lot of coffee over there at the uh, at the Tech Rose. I, I I should tell you, I we have the we have the best cappuccino machine. This thing this thing makes coffee. This thing makes the beans somehow, I think. I think it somehow builds the beans from the ground up. It might grow the beans special for every single cup. Well, that's 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 incredible, but not to not to get too off track. So, um yes, stimulants in modern culture obviously are essential to a lot of uh, industries, advances, etc. Rowan, you can't see my mug right now, but it says, don't even talk to me until I've had my cup of coffee. Well, exactly, exactly. But consider- And what you're saying, you're saying is that prehistoric people might have had a similar mug. Uh, 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 perhaps um, a, uh, a, a shell, a conch shell. Mm. Or, um, but caffeine and coffee does not have evidence for use prior to about 10, about 100 B.C., one, um, around there, so we're, and of we're course talking, we're talking about ten thousand plus right. years ago. We're talking about like a, a predecessor to to coffee. Um, yes, perhaps a proto coffee. The, the, the actual description of roast. the of the uh, um, substances themselves is not really put forward. There's mm-hmm. a number of uh, uh, um, candidates mm-hmm. that Willie Dust just puts forward, but. Uh, I don't necessarily want to get into that because that's a little bit too in the weeds. This right. is an 800-page book, um, wow. not including this is an the addendums book. and the appendices. You, yes, and you read this on paper hardback. Um, yes, and wow. we will get we will talk about that a little bit later. But there's a number of benefits that stimulants would have for ancient man as opposed to just modern man. Sure. Um, the obvious being you can travel and hunt for long periods of time mm-hmm. without needing to eat or rest. Um, another fairly obvious one is uh, repetitive tasks that would be such as making arrowheads chiseling rocks starting fires by hand these are all very repetitive uh sort of finagly jobs Mm. if you will of course and having some stimulants on hand could be quite useful to make those tasks more achievable and Mm. occur more quickly and I think perhaps the um, something that speaking more to the the higher end of stimulants, which is specifically what Willie Dustus is talking about, um, the sensation on your skin um, with these sort of stimulants, it would be much more. You would have a much greater sensitivity to the feeling of parasites on the body. Wow. Um, just in terms of you know, with bu- feeling the sensation of these crawling bugs and what have you, sure. would be so much more enhanced that that perhaps ancient man would be able to remove ticks and and fleas and what have you in a in a more effectacious manner. Yeah, maybe more than our than our primate ancestors, perhaps. Yes, yes, exactly. Fascinating. And and but that's sort of the conjecture um, as far as physical evidence. Yeah, uh, what, what is this evidence? I'm hearing a lot of theory here but but really what is the evidence that is put forward in this well, in there's, novel? there there is chapters and chapters of of evidence and it, it, that is um at times hard to delve into that mm-hmm. would be one of my critiques of the the work itself i, I could imagine there's many footnotes uh, absolutely um but so uh i think the three ones that i were most compelling to me personally was the incidence of skulls of homo erectus that are recovered in archaeological digs 
they tend to feature worn down teeth sort of sort of uh there's a, a bruxis i believe it's mm. known as um which is um a common occurrence in individuals who use stimulants for mm. extended periods of time and 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 this is this is maybe different than what somebody's teeth might be if if it if they were just chewing on maybe repetitive chewing on on barks or something uh there, there's there's no other uh, other other cause of this that that is seen well i mean that would be the conventional mainstream understanding mm. of what uh what the evidence there's multiple ways of interpreting archaeological evidence as is there is in and pretty much any field of science mm. this is this is simply a a uh, some evidence that willie dustus feels is compelling but there's more there's right. more that uh, another one that i found quite compelling personally is that a lot of ancient tools have indications that they were assembled and disassembled many times, perhaps in a repetitive manner. Um, hmm. the, the, just in terms of analyzing um, wear patterns on on bow shafts and uh, various other um, sort of moderately assembled pieces, spears and what have you. Sure. So it's it maybe it's evidence that there was a, a great deal of fidgeting with these early tools. Uh, fidgeting is one word one could use. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, disassembly, disassembly, sure. et cetera, et cetera. But I think the most compelling piece of evidence, and definitely it gets a full chapter in this book, mm-hmm. is the discovery in France of what was described as an ancient trap cave. There were a number of ancient mattresses apparently found along the floor. Um, Interesting. There was, there's uh, these sort of these um, uh, shells that have been sort of these swirly conch shells that have Mm -hmm. one space hollowed out with evidence of burn markings, perhaps some sort of ancient smoking implement, um, mm. as well as jittery paintings. Um, normally when you see these uh, these cave paintings, they're very sort of methodical and they represent something clearly. Sure. These, it was uh, sort of jitters of, of scribbles, um, drawings of eyes looking out at people from the darkness hmm. uh people convulsing um and what once again willie dustus would conjecture is withdrawal syndromes sure. uh so that's definitely the most compelling uh, discovery for the tweaked ape theory that uh that at least from my analysis and i think from willie dustus's sort of uh argument as well mm, interesting so it's, it's very sounds like some very compelling ev- evidence I, I would say uh, uh Rowan, what is your what is your take on it having having taken this entire this entire book this entire uh, tome what is what is your take on the uh on the theory itself maybe um it, to the theory itself i if i had to pick between the stoned ape theory and the tweaked ape theory mm-hmm. i would lean more into the stoned ape theory i'm more of a stoned ape myself but there's no reason to believe that there isn't that both aren't at work that that in both ways it was sort of a dual headed sort of endeavor Mm -hmm. um so i it didn't quite win me over in terms of me buying into it Mm -hmm. i think some interesting points were made but as to the book itself the language is a little bit colorful um he is a countercultural icon Mm -hmm. some of the words it's not 
it's not as family friendly as you might expect sure, from sure, a sure. sort of a scientific tome. I would imagine there's a lot of uh, a lot of italics used. Um, mm, mm, there's a lot of uh, slurs. Slurs might be a, a more appropriate term for oh, it. I, I see. Uh, a, a number of chapters are also dedicated to Willie Dustus's various coming and goings from rehab facilities, mm. uh, which felt very out of place in the middle of a of a largely anthropological research. <laughs> Volume, sir, sir, like a, an experiment in narrative, perhaps, perhaps, um, and ultimately too, it was very, it felt bloated, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight hundred fifty-seven pages, not including the appendix and the references, wow. and this comes as a single book in hardcover, and that is the only way in which to get the the the, the book. So it's not cheap, and it takes up a lot of space. So, if you're really interested in this subject. Mm-hmm. I would recommend looking into it if you're interested in this sort of thing. Uh, to the casual reader, perhaps not. I'm glad I read it, but sure. I doubt I will read it again. Do you do you think you think the they were being paid per per word or per page? Like, what do you think the the nature? Maybe it's just their writing style. What do you think the nature of this this book being so large is? I think that there was a certain edge of of ramblingness to it. Mm. Uh, very just a lot, a lot of information. Uh, as if perhaps maybe Willie Dustus himself was experimenting with these mindsets that the uh, that the tweaked apes were. Sure, fascinating. Well, thank thank you for. Eureka cast Eureka cast now's possibly first uh, Eureka review on on the show. Always, always a pleasure. Um, but now we're going to return to uh, to Eureka moments. Uh, this week I have a very a very special story for you all, and this one's related to something that I think Rowan, you, and perhaps the listener has a lot of uh, a lot of input into, maybe opinions on, and that is the uh, the areas of of health and wellness. Well, of course, absolutely. So this is a uh, this is a, a new a story from a Finnish. Uh, research laboratory, uh, a company uh, called Heti, um, which is a, a health tech and prosthetics company, and they were capable of this. This week, they announced the creation, or at least the the first draft of uh, of, a, of the ultimate wellness tool in nanotech form. This is a, a nanotechnical tool uh, that could be used within a human's biology within their body to to. To uh, uh, stimulate, if you will, uh, total holistic wellness. Well, if if the the concept is to use the nanobot to enrich and engage the body's natural defenses, I think that's that's quite innovative. That's quite that's quite um, shrewd in yeah, a way. You're getting you're getting ahead of yourself, uh, self self Rowan, uh, because that's that's sort of exactly what they did. The, the thing that they realized the. Uh, the bedrock of this of this theory, the bedrock of this of this new technology, is that uh, the idea that wellness is personalized. Uh, you need to learn about your subject before you can really make any prescriptive uh, prescriptive judgments on on what's going to make them the, the most well, the wellest, if you will. It, it's sort of like uh, wellness wellness is a as a in, in typical technical terms is sort of like a MacBook Pro, very uniform, very simple, very easy to use, uh, memorable. Whereas this technology is more of a of a of a tech book bro, one of one of Tech Brothers' uh, signature laptop that is that is incredibly customizable, or maybe even one of our one of our Phillips heads. Uh, I'm sorry, Phillips like a screwdriver? No, ex- <laughs> see that's that's where we got you there. It's called a Phillips head, even though it's a computer. 
You see, it's like the farthest thing from a computer. Uh, it's kind of clever, isn't it? Sure. Anyway, uh, so, as we said, the best way to learn about something is to test it, to play with it, in a way, to disrupt it. Uh, so what this company did, um, what Hattie did, is they identified the three primary areas of health, those being physical, mental, and emotional. And they figured out a tool that could be used to disrupt each of those separate systems to uh, promote wellness. Physical, pretty easy. They incorporate this this nanotech uh, into the body, into areas of, of perhaps pain. It's easy to it's easy for these these uh, these bots to when they're in the body look for what's what's going on, what's wrong. If it identifies that there is uh, that there's pain, based on a, a few key markers. Um, what it does is it goes to that pain and, and whatever muscle or, or tissue that is experience, experiencing that pain, what it does is it aggravates it. You see, if you aggravate that, that portion of the, the skin or the muscle, uh, what you're doing is you're ensuring that the muscle's natural defenses towards those sorts of things uh, uh, flare up and, and begin to sort of fight back. Fighting inflammation with inflammation. That is that is quite clever. I, I, I have to admit, uh, that is... That is some out-of-the-box thinking. Right. It, the same thing could be applied to uh, immunity. Uh, we've been doing this for, for a long time, incorporating, I- ensuring that the immune system is up to, up to par towards any, uh, any disease that it may, may find. If you need to in- in- increase your immunity, all you need is, is for these, uh, these, these bots, these, uh, these nanotech uh, bots, to identify that problem and then egg on the immune system. We, we, they discovered that they were able to increase the immune system's uh, rate, uh, rate of immunity, the, the rate that it's able to fight off uh, invading, invading bodies uh, by about three times in Incredible. just preliminary. Incredible. Yeah. Um, then we have the, the mental. How do you, the question's always been, how do you really address the, the mental with, the, with the, something physical? And well, it's right, it, it turns out it's right in front of our eyes, and that is, uh, that is the brain. That's... Uh, often, oftentimes people think that the seat of the soul is in the heart, but scientifically, and we at the spirit science, in, in the spirit science world know for a fact that it's not the heart, it is the brain. So absolutely. Right. So if, the, if, the, if this nanotech uh, identified uh, that as the problem, as, as something in the brain, what it would do is it would go to the brain and egg on those synapses, make them fire in the ways that they need to. It's that simple. Of course, uh, and then finally, we have the men- we have the uh, the emotional. Perhaps the the most complex versions. We've talked about emotional health a lot on this, uh, or the emotions of people a lot on this show so far, and it, it's something that's a little bit tricky to deal with from a from a tech level, or so we thought. Hmm. If if these nanobots just go in. And, and they, they identify that the emotional part of, of a person is, is the thing that is making them unwell. What it does is it, is it eggs on the limbic system. Well, it, one of the most important systems, as is well known. Yeah, one of the most important systems, especially having to do with the emotions and, and, and how somebody feels it's in the core of the brain. Almost a separate organ entirely. If the, you, if the, you the, um, the, the, the ancient medicine men knew the limbic system as the emotion gland and that's and that's true and <laughs> and, the, and ancient wisdom is so true in so many ways and and you know modern man knows now is figuring out ways to disrupt that system by by using by using uh, by using this technology to try to uh, 
again, Egeran, to achieve an equilibrium. Fascinating. Now, Fascinating. The tests are already underway in zebrafish, but um, there is one thing. I, I know, Rowan, you, it's on your mind as well. Oh, of course. The most important part of wellness. Yeah, it's something that they didn't even include in the paper. Uh, I mean, just what what do you think that that's that well, of is? course it's the spiritual side oh, the, the spirit is the wellspring of wellness as a matter of fact. Sure. And I couldn't be in any more agreement with one small uh, one small change. Oh, and, and that is spiritual wellness. It's all well and good. It's important. But I think we can take that concept and generalize it. Simplify. It. That's what scientists do. They take something and they simplify it. I I yes so instead you can you can you can think of culture you can think of uh sorry you can think of spiritual wellness in in a sense but but really what you're talking about with spiritual wellness and and maybe family wellness and community wellness uh all these sorts of things that, that relate are very together yeah, they're very that are different very from one similar another. in in a sense very different from you one can another. bring that back and you can understand that in fact it's one larger cultural cultural wellness I see um no N- no and the thing is once you have a cultural wellness, mm-hmm. it's a very simple, it's one more very simple tool to change, to, to change, to disrupt that cultural wellness. I, Kai? And that is new media. Kai, Kai we're going to have to cut it off. We're kind of low on time here because we, I, I do have another liquid poetry for us this evening. Rowan, and, and Rowan, some you're, of in, the, you're interrupting my story well, with wine again. I, the thing is, is that I would not feel so inclined to interrupt your story if you were not um, m- misinterpreting what wellness is, what wellness is about. As you know, I am a light worker. That is what I have. Uh, As I you know, getting my PhD in is light working, which and has nothing speak, to do with wine. When you speak about wellness in a way that you have spoke about wellness, it it is quite trying to me and my in a patients. way backed up by data and evidence we're going to talk about this over the break but before the break and i i really even shouldn't be doing this because of, as any vino connoisseur knows you should never drink wine angry but here we are so what i have here is for our tonight's liquid poetry is i have a meaty spumante from the italian winery nomo mm. falso titled bruso schizerzo or excuse me bruto Please make sure you get that straight. It's it is a sparkling wine with the unusual factor of being fermented in barrels coated with wagyu beef tallow. There's nowhere that any who I've never seen this wine before. Well, I couldn't even participate if I wanted to. Well, well, it is if you just if you look if you look you will find just as if you look for. For truth in wellness, you will find and not and not feel the need to spread falsehoods, spread falsehoods and hurt people. Now we're gonna so so. Apparently, the beef tallow gives it a certain umami, and that's working. That apparently works quite well with the style. So let's go ahead and pop the cork because this is a sparkling wine, and as a matter of fact, you can tell a lot about a sparkling wine by how fat by how fast the cork goes it's not just a useful tool for measuring the carbonation but also the quality so let's try this out yeah that's that 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 is a good velocity that that's a good start that oh is were you measuring velocity. the velocity i what did that tell you what did that tell you about the wine rowan it, it it's carbonated and it's wonderful <laughs> other 
other flavor notes as well. So let's go ahead and give this a pour. I'm not using a champagne flute. I, I no, would probably break a champagne flute right now. Um, just with my grip. yeah 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 god god forbid we actually t- we talk about a eureka moment on the show instead of drinking wine i'm sorry i'm sorry excuse Rowan. me i'm excuse me i'm trying to get a good sniff here <laughs> yeah that's the beef character immediately there's a beef character it hits me just like a wet slap of a steak but underlying that after that slap someone someone takes a pear and some anise and, and some wet newspaper and just just sort of blots me down. Rowan, I, I listener, I would ask that you consider what Rowan is saying and question whether this is going to be a good wine or a bad wine, just based purely on the description. Well, this is all appropriate for the style. This is what it was advertised as, and and so um, let's let's go for the taste. Let's let's go for the taste all, right now. All the ads I see for wine with beef in it. Mm. It's uh beef. Let me, let me try that again. I, I'm I'm glad we're making sure that the data on this is is specific. Nothing but beef. Just okay. beef. Nothing else like, there. Just like just like advertised. Not can't can't recommend this at all. What a what a waste. Terrible poetry. Rowan terrible poetry might as well have been a limerick but you know at the same time i you're never supposed to drink a wine angry so maybe after the break we'll have some tensions worked maybe out. we'll after the break we will never find wine again we'll be back in about five minutes kai kai i can't drink <laughs> And we're back. We are back. Welcome back, everybody. It's time to move on to the special feature. And this one I am very excited about because for all those uh, for, for all all those that keep in uh, in the in the news with with uh, with the news of technology and industry and, and innovation and, and disruptiveness, they would have no doubt heard about uh, what's going on, what's actually going on, what big is going on. In Vancouver, Washington, and it's the re- it's one of the reasons. It's the major reason that I went over there is I was invited uh, for a an, uh, a lifetime opportunity, really, uh, an opportunity that I could not pass up. I mean, we've seen the pictures. I've seen the pictures, listener. I imagine you would have seen the pictures. Uh, Rowan, have you seen the pictures? Yes, even as someone who doesn't find this sort of technology particularly sort, sort interesting media, yeah. i've been inundated with it people will not stop talking about it it's big this is huge uh i mean we've all seen the pictures of the the winding uh a glossy ribbon like uh like thing through the city this this innovative new civil technology uh within the vancouver uh the vancouver metropolitan area um and that is what is being called the city shoot Yes, I. We've all seen the pictures. This sort of it's beautiful. Uh, this this, as you put it, a a ribbon. It's sort of elegant, winding its way through the city. I don't. It 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 looks at odds personally. That's my personal opinion. Mm, I, I guess I, aesthetics is uh is based on the eye of the beholder, um as they say, but I personally think it fits with the city better than better than anything could. Certainly better than those than those long stretches of highway and road do. 
uh, and it winds so perfectly. It, it's made so so perfect. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let, for those that maybe have just seen the pictures and don't have a, a great idea of what's going on and the people behind it, um, let, let me talk about why this thing is here and what's so great about it. Uh, so this is a the city shoot is uh, is a again a civil technology made by uh, a disruptive civil engineering tech company uh, called the Erection Group. So uh, the the city shoot is a is a crystal clear winding bridge that anybody living in the city, anybody anywhere, can take their car, whatever vehicle, their personal vehicle, and drive into or or be injected into and go anywhere in the city. Residents are eager to be injected into this thing. It's it's the talk of the town. Oh, so it's finally they're finally allowing people in. We'll get to we'll get to that, Rowan. Uh, uh, so this thing is 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 capable of shooting you uh, to destinations in minutes. Each new level, each level uh, of this uh, is a two-planed super highway that nearly nearly halves the time of, of, of most most uh, most trips within the city. No more sitting in traffic. Drivers will no longer uh, you know be burdened with the presence of things like pedestrians and, and buildings and other cars. Uh, and this was a controversial project, but they finally did it. And this this thing is truly going to going to disrupt tr- uh, transportation in this city to a, to an amazing degree. Oh, so so um, how what is the projected use case of of this of this structure? If you have that information handy, uh, well, it's going to be anybody is going to be able to use it to go anywhere in the city. It's it, it's I I'm going to get to. I actually went down there, and and I took a trip on the city shoot um i mean but before then like the the reason that it, that it exists is because it solves it solves this very real problem of traffic in the city of vancouver washington the unbearable traffic and uh and it uses the the disruptive technology of vertical architecture we've all heard about it and and it's it's finally come to our highways v- vertical architecture right right vertical architecture it's, it's like a like a like a tower Sort of. I mean, this thing, this thing towers certainly. Um, this thing is, of course, a bridge. It's a form of transportation, but it utilizes concepts of vertical architecture to to integrate perfectly, seamlessly into any single city. It's very easy to implement. What are what are these concepts? Well, I mean, this this bridge it practically goes straight up. In some parts, there are advanced mechanisms, uh, a magneto hydraulics. Uh, that and advanced environmental controls that makes the driving experience uh, exceptional. While one is going v- vertically straight up, and it's one hundred percent safe for any car for any person. The point of this thing is is that it is truly it's it, it it's it's safe. It's amazing. It's brilliant. You've seen some of these pictures, right? I, I've seen the pictures, but I have. Uh, with re- seven layers of traffic. Yes. Sol- solving one of the one of the greatest greatest problems any city ever have to face have to, has to face and that is traffic. So, what I want to do is I want to talk about my trip to Vancouver, what I saw, what I felt. Uh this is a special feature because it's it's not just a eureka, it's not not just a a disruptive uh innovative technology. It is my personal experience in that it's a personal experience something that not many people only a handful of people have ever actually experienced and that is a trip through this the wonderful city shoot 
And yet the intention is to have many people using it. I, I'll, yes, exactly. You, you get this, Rowan. So, I don't think I do. When I arrived in the city, I, I can't even tell you. I was burdened by traffic. Physically burdened by traffic. I was incredibly burdened by traffic. The thing, the thing that I, that I, that I, the things that angered me the most were, were things like other cars and pedestrians and events out on the roadways, things that in my mind, technology could easily fix. And how, how would you fix pedestrians? That's a great question, Rowan. And I'm about to talk about exactly how the erection group did it. This, this, this thing, when I, when I, when I, the, really the only thing that, that was, that really lightened my mood was, was finally driving into the city of Vancouver, Washington, and, and seeing this structure seamlessly integrated into the city. It didn't block out any of the beautiful skyline. It didn't block out uh, the, the wonderful uh, uh, picture of the, of the Columbia River it, it, or, or really, really anything. This thing was so seamlessly integrated. It's, it's almost like it wasn't there. It's almost like a dream. So, I mean, when I, when I arrived, I met with some of the, uh, the, some of the uh, architects and engineers on the project, and, and I asked, uh, you know, it's, it's I, amazing. I had the very same questions that you did, Rowan. This thing is made. Why, why am I still experiencing traffic? I thought this thing was supposed to fix traffic. And they just looked at me and they smirked and, and they said, well, you, you see, this thing's been done for about a year now. I'd only thought it had been done for about two months. The pictures only ever started coming out in any sort of regularity within that time frame. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing, the thing that you have to realize is this is a disruptive technology. This is a new technology, an innovative technology. They, yes, a, a bridge. <laughs> it's not just a bridge, Rowan. It's a seven-layer bridge. Uh, it's because it's so seamlessly integrated into the city, because there's such advanced algorithms built into this bridge, they had to do a lot of tests. They started off, uh, they only How's started... An algorithm incorporated into a bridge? We'll talk about that, Rowan. It's super exciting. Uh, so they only started live testing, testing of, of living things about, uh, about two months ago. Things like flies, rats, insects, uh, particles, things like that. But the thing is, the reason that one of the reasons I th really thought that it was only that it only had been built within within the past two months is because it's only been talked about for like a year and a half. In reality, this amazing, seamless, wonderful, disruptive technology only took about about six months to make to build from conception to implementation. It only took like six months. Two of those months were uh, were involved involved urban geoscanning using advanced algorithms to plot the most optimal paths, and then four months to actually construct the bridge. Now I know what you might be asking, like how could they construct a bridge so awesome, so great, so disruptive in just four months? I, that was not the question I was asking myself. Um, well, it's certainly the question that I asked myself, and and I got to see, and, and perhaps some of the uh, the more in-the-know tech professionals in our audience, the listener perhaps, has seen the, the, the amazing technology that made all this happen, and that is the Extrude Dude. The Extrude Dude is, uh, it, it is a large robotic uh, piece of equipment uh, that is capable of, of, of really just moving seamlessly throughout the city, um, and, and spitting out uh, a specific kind of material called hydrophene carbide um, in a filament form. 
through advanced using advanced algorithms and and and, uh, and very very precise planning, um, thanks to the all the geo uh, all, all the all the geo scanning that had been done, um, this thing a few of these started on separate areas of the city and they all built and they all came together in this beautiful ribbon like wonderful bridge. Um, these are of course followed by the solder studs. Which then incorporated all the circuitry and all the um, all the high tech elements into the bridge. And what what is the necessity for the high tech elements well, in a in a bridge? Those are some great questions, Rowan, and we will get to those. Um, so after after they finally got those done, they conducted a number of tests. First, they had to figure out um, they had to test out the, these bridges with light tests. What they had? To, what is a light test? They in, had to send light in. They had to send light in to see how light would interact with the environment. Right. Then they had to send in air using wind tests. Was the in, in the intention to not have air in the bridges in the first place? That was up in the air, if you will. Um, but eventually, uh, after the wind tests, then they tried unmanned drone tests, uh, then uh, light robot tests, and then heavy robot tests. And then manned drone tests, and finally they keep they kept building their way up over the course of a, the course of a year or so, and and, and finally they, they made it to actual living creature tests. They're finally experimenting with real people in real cars in this bridge. It seems as though a couple of those steps could have been put together, could have been condensed, perhaps. Now, Rowan, I sure hope that was a joke. Because you, as well as I, are we're scientists here. I'm just still confused as to the the why there would be a concern about light interacting with this material. Well, this is a disruptive company, Pro, and you want to make sure that your disruption is pointed in the right direction. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, in so when I finally arrived in the city, I met with the engineers, and I was super excited to go on on this. I was maybe the, I think maybe the eighth or ninth person even within the company i was only the eighth or ninth person to actually go on this bridge was that not intimidating in some way shape or form i mean roan you know that i'm you know that i'm a i'm a i'm a groundbreaker i'm a regime shatterer it just natural in by nature but you weren't concerned about the the ground breaking out from underneath you being the ninth person to try and walk across this roan i trust a good algorithm. Yes, and heavy robot testing, it would seem. I've certainly. I made my I have made my career on trusting heavy robots. So, I got into a uh, to a solenoid light. Um I don't know if you've heard of these, but they're they're wonderful uh, uh electric capacitor cars. I've received a number of ads for them on various websites. Right, they're gorgeous. They're they're uh, aerodynamic, they're high-tech, uh, and they're made by the uh by the the uh solenoid uh by Solenoid Industries, which is a partner organization to the erection company. And they have very advanced driver-controlled algorithms built within the car to keep you safe, keep you from crashing, keep keep you moving at a rapid pace. Yeah, from my understanding, they don't even have steering wheels, do they? Well, of course they have steering wheels. What is a car without a steering wheel? It's not useful, but... Anyway, so I finally, I, I, I drove with one of the engineers into uh into the injection chamber of the of the city chute uh, a long conveyor belt which slowly slowly brought me up into the chute and i was 
and I was filled with anticipation. Sounds like a log flume. I, I don't know what that is, but it sure felt like one. So the first thing that I noticed when I was in this bridge was, uh, was I mean, thanks to the transparency of the filament being used, uh, it, there was a lot of natural sunlight. It made me feel like I was truly out. I was. I felt like I was more outside than I even was while I was outside. And the and the engineer told me that the reason for that is because that that specific filament was designed to to uh, to give you just the right amount of polarization of that sunlight. That is a fifty three percent polarization for an optimal sun. The optimal light source. It's supposed to help you uh, help you manage your your anger and frustration. It's supposed to give you a better experience. And, and truly, I felt I felt great with it within within the tube. And that was just that was just the first thing that I noticed. Um, so we started over in Cascade Park East, and we 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 drove uh, up the river. It felt like a very a very slow, a very easy, restful uh, restful drive. And then the uh, the bridge it then ducked down completely underneath the Columbia River. And that was exciting, to say the least. But it was also very interesting. The fish were right by us. It seemed like they almost thought we were fish. That's how great, seamlessly this thing is, is put in. Are you sure you didn't go to um, a theme park attached to an aquarium, perhaps? I mean, that's what, that's what I thought, but certainly not. And so there's sal- salmon on all sides. Uh, and then we finally went up. We went through the loop. <laughs> We went through the loop, which was which was super exciting too. Um, what practical purpose does that serve? An emotional purpose. The engineer explained it all. We drove for what seemed like a, a, a few more seconds, a few more minutes, or something. Time really seemed to slow down uh, inside while I enjoyed my trip for the first time. I was enjoying a trip in a car, and we went, we seemed to have gone up. As far up as we as I would imagine we could, I, I felt I've almost we were almost dangerously high, and then we just started plummeting. We were plummeting right over a beautiful park. We were plummeting and plummeting and plummeting, and I and I realized um, as we got closer to this park, we were directly over a beautiful family having a beautiful family having a wonderful picnic, and it, it almost felt f- freeing. Not to not to be burdened with 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 having to make the decision to turn away. We were ten feet away from them, and luckily the the algorithms built into this uh, in into the into the sky the sky shoot kept us. At, did there were there were no uh, there were no sharp turns. There were no large forces. Uh, we we just felt consistently like we were traveling at at an easy Sunday drive pace. I glanced over at the speedometer, and it read that we were going over 100 miles per hour. Apparently, I asked the engineer, and this vehicle is capable of going up to 320 kilometers per hour, and, that, and that's, that's roughly uh, roughly 200 miles per hour. Is this, is this a vehicle that can be driven on normal streets, or is this exclusively something that needs to be used in this, um, this boondoggle you're describing? Oh, oh, the light, that thing, that can be driven on any street, anywhere. There are, of course, some more advanced. Uh, the light is a, is a very, very basic car. Only, as I said, only capable of going up to 200 miles per hour. Um, 
but the, but the thing is, even if it couldn't, the 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 algorithms built into the to the sky uh, to the sky shoot, uh, the the environmental controls, uh, the magneto hydraulics, they just keep pushing us. They keep pushing us. They keep pushing us. And that's the thing that you do not get on a typical highway. You do not get the road is working. The road is seemingly working against you. This this piece of remarkable disruptive technology, the road is working for you. As a driver, that is empowering for something finally to be working for you uh, in a city. Is empowering the word you really want to use there? Yes. And then, of course, uh, right before we, we, we stopped, I started actually looking up. I, I was looking down this entire time at the, at, the, at the bridge, at the people around us, at the walls. And finally, I looked up. And what I saw was a holographic sign. And I asked, what is that? Why is, why is that there? That's I thought, a great question to ask. Did you ask that about the whole project as well? I frankly didn't have questions about that. I had questions about this this holographic sign because it was it was just reading like welcome. It was just reading. I believe it, it said welcome to. I was isn't so emotional. I can't even really remember, but I think it said something like welcome to uh, welcome to the the Vancouver Washington sky shoot. And they asked what that was for, and the and the engineer said uh, that these these holographic signs were capable of of being able to show anybody. That is driving a different message. Rather than just typical signs, regular regular billboard signs, or even electric signs, um, they were capable of, of not only showing a different message whenever a message was is needed to be uh, displayed, but this was capable. This holographic technology was capable of showing every single driver, every new driver, a different message. Think of how disruptive that is. Think of how revolutionary that is. How distracting it might be. And that's the thing. You no longer need to be distracted. I mean, this thing could be showing child cartoons for, for your children who are in the backseat while you're driving through the, the city shoot, while you're shooting through the shoot, as, the, as, as they say. As they say. So, finally, it, it, it seemed like I, I went on like a roller coaster of emotions um, on the city shoot. We started in Cascade Park East, and we finally made it to Five Corners in about eight minutes. And that is a whopping seven minutes faster than we would have if we just drove there through standard channels. It, it, and is is though are those the two the beginning and the end point? Are well, those the only ones at this point? Uh, there, those are the only two that are being tested right now. Of course, there are multiple endpoints, but that's really the only one that they're testing. They need to do separate test drives on every single one of the. Of of the different pathways, every single route through the city shoot, they need to test. Yes, almost certainly. I, and I, and so. now, if one were build to just just for argument's sake, if one mm. were to build a normal bridge, would they necessarily need to first send a drone over it? I'm sorry. Would they first need to expose it to light? Mm-hmm. And then wind, mm-hmm. and then drones, and then light robots, and then heavy robots. I, you have not. I, I have not heard a, a a single argument for why this is a superior option to a bridge made of of normal material. Well, frankly, Rowan, you sound a lot like the the naysayers 
that claim that disruptive technology itself is is inefficient or impractical have 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 anyone of you or the members of the erection group considered why this needs to be disrupted in the first place it solves a real problem of traffic in vancouver washington i i i asked i asked when when is this thing going to be going to be up and running when when are people finally going to be able to get on this thing and and when is it really going to solve the problem of traffic in Vancouver, Washington? And they said soon. Any and what does soon mean? Once all the tests are finished, then it's going to be free for anybody to use. It's a gift to the city. And the greatest part about all this is that there are already plans to bring this technology to New York, to Denver, and of course to Chicago, and hopefully do the same thing. This could disrupt transportation. Do the same. Do what? Disrupt transportation, Rowan. Disrupt transport. How many people have gone through this again? I th- I think I may have said nine. It might have been something like seven. And there we're going to. We have a citizen science. Excellent. Uh, it doesn't take as many positively oriented people to actually outweigh all the negatively oriented ones. It only actually takes about 144,000 individuals on your planet operating at a frequency rate of about 180,000 CPS on average to outweigh all the other 6 billion people on your planet in terms of negative energy. I don't have a, um... A source for this, but it's very compelling nonetheless. Sure. I mean, the math checks out. Frankly, from what I know about positive energy and the frequencies therein, and what I know about negative energy, it's, it seems like the math, it's just simple conversion. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Sure. All right. Um, I'd like to close on a quote by, again, I can't keep talking. I can't stop talking about my great trip to Vancouver, Washington. Um, one of my favorite professors there. Yeah, sounds great. One of my favorite professors. Oh, sounds like a lot of fun. Vinesh Finlaw. Good use of uh, good use of your time. Uh, Vinesh Finlaw was a uh, was a professor of the theory of information class um, at Waltz College um, of Technology. Where you interned? Yes, exactly. Now you're catching on. So uh, they they sent something over just over this uh, this three days that I was there, and that stunned me. And I realized that I needed to put it on the next show of Eureka Cast now. And that was this. Students come to me. They come to my class with a brain. But they leave with a mind. Eureka Cast now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with the support of Tech Brothers New Media Labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are rebroadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. CST on WLPN LP 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please follow us at EurekaCast on Twitter or go to our new website at awcyfm.com slash EurekaCast. Rowan, I think we have some other social media as well. Yes, we do. Uh, if you do engage in other forms of social media, please feel free to find us at facebook.com slash awcyfm. 
or send an electronic mail to awcyfm at gmail.com, where if you feel so inclined, you can share with us technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs that you have witnessed or participated in, or merely drop us a line and say hello. We always love to hear from uh, not just the citizen science, but the citizen lay people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, uh, <clears throat> If uh, you know someone who'd like to be a guest on the program, we have yet to have a guest on the program, but mm-hmm. we're always looking, feel free to reach us, reach out to us at that same email, which is once again, awcyfm at gmail.com. With that, Chicago, allow us here at Eureka Cast now to send you orgone resonances of a positive amplitude this evening. With 53% polarization. How dare you? What? How dare you? How dare you? Part of culture? Spirit is part of culture? Yes. What were you thinking?